Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with author, entrepreneur and public speaker Mariam L. Hooley chatting to us on why the best time to chase your dreams is right now. Mariam shares with us her personal and professional story on publishing her debut YA novel The Olive Tree. She touches on self-doubt and self-worth and why we need to diminish the old ways of the past and be true to our future writing selves. This may be one of the most powerful interviews I've conducted to date and I hope you enjoy Mariam's powerful message as much as I did. So in my author adventure this week, no writing. I'm in mum mode. (laughs) My family life is full frontal at the moment with my kids' hobbies taking centre stage before the next school holidays emerge and it all (laughs) seems to have come at once. I have been working on my author business by shopping for website designers and I must apologise for the current state of my website. If you visited there or listened to the podcast, it's a bit of a shambles and that's because I'm the designer, I'm the website person, but I'm not really... um, (laughs) but I'm not very good at it. And I've had about four websites in my author career through various companies, Weebly, Wix, which were 100% easy to navigate. But my current WordPress site, I've always struggled with and I feel now is the time to bring in the professional web developers. So I'm super excited to have a few phone call conversations lined up next week to talk about the design and functionality of my website. So stay tuned and I want your feedback on the new site once it's up and running. So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author, hybrid all caps and T and A from the an author. A big shout out and thank you to the first supporter to buy the hybrid author a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. And not just one, but five. So as you can imagine, after five coffees, I'm pinging off my nut on caffeine right now. Thanks to you, Christinita Brown, and the author of children's junior fiction, Looking for Lily. And also a hybrid author podcast guest for episode 36, And Christy generously shares her experience on what it takes to self-publish junior fiction. So thank you, Christy. You absolutely rock. If you haven't picked up your copy of Looking for Lily listeners, please do so now. I think Christy is at almost at the bottom barrel of her first print run. So congrats, Christy. You are absolutely killing it. And we love Looking for Lily. 
If you don't want to support my coffee habit, but still want to support the podcast, you can also leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. Just a couple of words to let me and others who write like you know how the podcast is helping further your author career. Let's all support each other. So that's enough from me. Let's crack on with the episode. Mariam L. Hooley is a 33-year-old mother of five. She's an entrepreneur, public speaker, and author of The Olive Tree, her debut YA fiction novel. Mariam has a love of reading, writing, and animals. What a busy and inspiring bio, Mariam. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast. Hey, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So where did your love of reading come from and how did you come to join the world of writing and publishing? Well, from a very young age, I loved reading all types of books and fiction and nonfiction and always felt writing for me was therapeutic. I never really intended on, uh, you know, sharing my writing with the world, but wanted it just as a therapy and getting pen on paper. And then as time went on, I, I had a love for, for making stories and, and trying to touch people's hearts. Fantastic. Yeah, I've felt the same with my kind of writing journey. The first uh, young adult novel I ever wrote, it will never see the light of day, but I feel like it had to be written. But it was more like a verbal vomit of my own upbringing, but I feel like something has released since writing it. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how you feel. Yes. Yeah. Well, we could talk about so many things today. You're a very well-rounded person and you're so many hats you're juggling. I can't believe a mother of five. That's insane. <laughs> but we're going to talk about today yes. why, why the best time to chase your dreams is now. So can you tell us your story and what's, you know, what's behind that bold statement? I've learned as I've grown up, time is not guaranteed. No one can guarantee tomorrow. None of us. Who can, who can be 110% sure that we're going to have a tomorrow? You know, God forbid we can go out and have an accident and never see light. We can get sick and our health never be back. There is so many we could, we could, we could. So the best time is now. And COVID, I think, really, really shook me up when the pandemic hit and we were especially in Melbourne, we were locked up for nearly two years. You know, it was, it was horrible. My mental health was below zero. And I thought to myself, that's it. I, nothing is ever guaranteed. If a pandemic can shake up a globe of billions of people, then, then I'm not, I'm never ever going to wait or allow anyone to tell me that any of my dreams are invalid. They are 110% valid. Yeah, that's amazing. So like, you know, as writers, when we go to put ourselves out and our writing, it can become really scary and we get a lot of fear and self-doubt. But, you know, it sounds like any notions you might have had of these things, you know, the pandemic has kind of put things into perspective for you. I, I cannot imagine what you guys went through in Melbourne. We were actually pretty lucky in Perth, a couple of lockdowns and stuff, but we were quite free for a lot of the time. And uh, five children as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just, yes. I, I, well, I, that's what happens when you make all these decisions <laughs> when you're very, very young. <laughs> but look, having five kids, I think it's not for everyone. And maybe if time had would have come earlier, maybe I wouldn't have made that much, you know, you know, that decision that early on. But yeah. look, everything is written for you. Everything is planned. Mm. And I think in hindsight, as you get older, you know that this was the best path for you. I think God sometimes puts us in places to open different doors. And and now I'm just living my life the opposite. I had my kids very, very young. I had them at yep. 16, my oldest, yeah. um, and my youngest at 27. And now I'm starting a career in so many different things. I think as humans, we judge that there's a right and a wrong. There's absolutely no right and a wrong. You can have kids at 50. You can have mm. kids at 15. You can you can not have kids. Yeah. You can choose not to have children and still be very, very valid. I think we just have to be tolerant and understand that each person's choices and decisions, although may not be for you, but doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Yeah, I think we just have to get out of that mentality of judging people. And do, do your kids actually, do they inspire you in any way for you to be chasing your dreams so you can show them, you know, you can do that. I can do this. You can do this. And we should be doing it now. Kind of thing. I, I, always, I always tell them, I always tell them growing up, I'm the oldest out of 10 children. Oh, wow. And my late father, <laughs> yeah. And my late father, my mom was a, was a teacher and uh, my father had cancer all through his, his, you know, his youth and he passed away at 52 leaving you know all the kids for my mom to raise up and so financially we weren't really doing well and and if it's anything I tell my kids you know now we're in a generation of social media everything is possible you don't need so much money or come from a rich family or whatever it is that was in the past to make you know a future to make a business to write to whatever your dreams are so possible now with the help of social media and it's free. The yeah. majority of the time, it's free. That's it. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And it resonates with me with what you're saying. You know, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's around the corner. I unfortunately lost two good friends this year. And one was in a freak accident. Mm. And it the, the first one, not so much, but the one with the freak accident was actually at that person's funeral. And what, what freaked oh, me wow. out the most was... I just thought, you know, I was talking to that person then and who knew, we, you know, a, a couple months later we would be at your funeral. You know, I just, that spun me out. So I quite agree. We, if you don't waste time, do what you've got to do now for sure. But I think the biggest lie, Joanne, that we've been told or sold to is, and it really upsets me when, especially we, when we tell it to our youth, to our children, to our, the younger generation that, oh, you have so much time to figure out what you want. That is not true because nothing is guaranteed. You have to try so many different things to know what's your true calling. And if you don't try, if you're always, if we, you know, cotton wool our kids or society in general now, now you can't even, there's no free speech anymore. People are overly, I find overly sensitive. We're not allowed to express what we feel in anything anymore. I feel mm. like we've, we've really gone backwards instead of forwards. Yeah. You know, this child or this young adult has no idea because they're afraid. We're yeah. living in fear now. Yeah, and it's it, so sad. It's sort of saying something that is but can be taken in the wrong context, and it's well. Um, yeah, tell us about your debut young adult novel, The Olive Tree, and uh, yeah, I mean, chasing your dreams now. Is, is this one of your dreams that you thought, yep, I'm going for it? Oh, yes. The Olive Tree I wrote maybe three, three and a half years ago. And as I said, I never, every time I tell someone, and I have a literature degree. So during my kids, all these kids, I, I went to uni, but it took me 10 years to finish a Bachelor of Arts. And I majored in um, literature and composition because it was so hard. I was either pregnant or breastfeeding. I was just going to say, with, with you, you had a lot of other things as well. 
I think it was my mother. If I have anything to take, it was my mother's really pushing to, you know, get a degree, keep, but you never know what happens. So in the three years, I, I wrote The Olive Tree, but every time I tell someone, look, I wrote this novel and I think it's, I think people will be interested. Everyone would tell me, no, no one will be interested. Who's going to read that? You know, who do you think you are to write a novel? No one really, other than my mother, you know, believed that anyone would be interested. And, and that goes back to, again, you know, we, we self-doubt, we look into other people's eyes to see our worth. Um, we need the we need people to appreciate us before we appreciate ourselves. And then, as I said, I finished it. And then when COVID hit and all this happened to me, it was and you know business wise and personally and everything. I made the decision and said to myself, "Look, that's it. This is going to go. This is going to be published. And whatever happens, happens." But previous to that, even before COVID, I had two offers from publishing houses overseas to buy the rights of the book. I unfortunately I refused it, although I needed the money. I refused it because they were going to change the story and it was never about money for me but it was about changing people's lives or the perspectives and I didn't want people to have a say in which direction this book was going to go yeah well tell us about the story so the olive tree is about a family it's about two girls that live in a fake town in Palestine. One is a Muslim girl, one is a Jewish girl, and it takes you on to both of their families' lives and how they fate interwines them and how they a country shrouded by segregation and segregatory and bribery, how these two girls, although from different religions, although from different backgrounds, get together and try to become the change. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion in it. It's a lot of family. It's it's a lot of a lot of lessons. And some of the story, although it's, you know, it's, it's not a real story. I myself lived through a war when I was in Lebanon um, and Israel and Lebanon got into a massive little war and we had to, to be evacuated via boats to Cyprus. And I had my son and I was 16. Images like that never, ever leave you. And war, the only thing, the only people that pay the price in war is children. Mm. That is, that is, you know, unfortunate the case. Look at what's happening in Ukraine now, all over the world. Yeah, that's it. Well, it sounds like an, an extremely powerful story and one everyone should read. And uh, I think you, you're probably the, you know, the best person to tell it from coming from that experience and that perspective as well. Just peddling back on what you were saying before about self doubt and belief. I feel, and I think a lot of people feel as writers as well. It's like we have to get someone's approval to say you are okay you you know your work is good enough and again it's probably all comes back to self-belief yeah working on that what was the process you went through writing the book how did you find time to write uh well I, as with everything in my life it has to be done when the kids are asleep <laughs> that's the only way I could do anything in my life is when the children and that's why it took many years and the interesting thing about writing and, and you would know as a writer as you get older your perspective changes so in the three and a half years I had I had rewritten and rewritten because I'd go back a year later, let's say, and start from the start and I'd find, well, come on, how can I believe this? Now, this doesn't sound right to me. I had, I had grown. I had grown and evolved and I, and what I wrote back then does it, didn't resonate with me. So I think as as people in general, if you're writing a story that, and it's taking you that long to write, when you come back to it, you find a lot of what you wrote doesn't resonate anymore. Yeah. And I think because people always ask, you know, should I write every day? And, uh, and there's a notion going around, you're not a writer unless you 
you do write every day but I think the only reason you should write every day yeah I agree as well but I don't believe that I think the only thing to write every day would be just to be kept connected to the story and like you said so your perspective is is in that area but also the great works of to be left and sat for many years and go back and again like you said the perspective has changed but the work will be in the end what it's supposed to be so obviously your, your work the olive tree you've put it out there into the world which is amazing have you had a good response so far we have i've had a lovely response you know it went to amazon in three categories number one it's actually it's gotten uh, a lot of you know publicly sales it's it's everywhere it's in nearly in every book, bookshop online in australia i think as well um, um, we're making it into a movie. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yes, we are going to make it. I had a meeting last night with the scenarists overseas, um, but that's going to, it's a longer process, of course. I just want to go back to a point that you said about uh, writing every day. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, writing is emotionally draining. It's it's not, so I'm very surprised when I hear people say you should write every day. I have to be in a specific mental state, emotionally charged to write, especially as I write fiction with a purpose. Yeah. Uh, there, there's messages behind and and I, I don't see how you can just write every day. You have to be in the, it's like any art, basically. That's how I try to explain it to people. It's like you when you paint or when you draw, or you just can't just pick up a brush. You have to be in your yeah. element really to write. Do you and think- the more sad I am or upset, the better my writing is. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> <I'm> sure, <laughs> actually. But yeah, I, I, I find... Like I talk a lot about processes and stuff because I do feel there's a process to everything. I mean, even with my podcast, the process I go through before I click on the video is I go around and shut all the doors and in my house and I take a drink and I cough up a lot. (laughs) And, you know, I go to the toilet a lot. That's a process I find before I start my interviews. And I think with writing, there is a process that you get, I guess, your mind and body into to begin for some people. But what I found and, and what I guess is hardest about writing for a lot of people, you can learn something different from each individual person, but no individual person is the same. Their process is not the same. Their work's never going to be the same. Yes. So you have to tune into you and what works best for you and your writing for sure. hundred percent. So what I learned in university, the way we're supposed to write, I don't apply that. It doesn't work for me. It's all in my brain first. And it has to be like, as you said, vomited on the, on, on, on the, on the paper first and then laptop. But I don't do the, you know, kind of character segments. I, I find that doesn't work for me, but as we said, what works for you maybe doesn't work for me. And yeah. there's, no right and wrong again that's right yeah it's just about finding your way and your voice and and you you have a very strong voice which is fantastic so is there going to be like a sequel to the olive tree are you going to continue telling these stories or Yes, these types of stories, yes. So as I said, I write, so my purpose in writing is always going to be fiction with a purpose. There's so many messages in every book that I write. I'm currently halfway through Souls of the Devil. That one's going to be not a young adult. This one's a very full-on novel that's going to speak about everything that our communities doesn't talk about. You know, the rape, the incest, the religious abuse, the narcissism in families, abortions, miscarriages, everything that, you know, we shrug under the rug and just pretend pretend that none of our families have these problems. Mm. I think it's about time we open the can of worm and discuss all these issues that the mainstream media seems to think that they're irrelevant and all our communities in any part of the world are actually really, really struggling with these issues. Yeah, wow. That's incredibly powerful. And yeah, we look forward to that when that comes out. Back to the the olive tree. As you said, you, you had some offers to 
take that on, but they were going to traditionally publishing, but they were going to change the story, which, you know, you've stayed true to, which is fantastic. Yeah. So you did put it out yourself, but you went through it. Another a publishing company, was it Dean Publishing? Not a publishing company, yes. but a, a kind of service, I suppose, to, to help you with yes. the book. What was that like? How did you find them? And, and what it's was really, really good? They were, they were really, really good. They were very, very professional. I think they're, they're as good, if not better, than any traditional company. I kept all my rights. Um, they were, they listened attentively to all the things that I, I wanted done. So I'm, I was really, really happy with that. Uh, to me, as I said, it was just about keeping the book true to what I wrote. And I wasn't interested in monetizing it or, or wasn't interested in the political part. And I didn't want to take it, you know, to the religious part either. And they, they um, accepted and honored that. That, yeah. you know this is my writing and this is the way I want to do it and yeah. I think you get you have a more of a hold when you when you pull the strings other other than traditionally unfortunately most of the times you don't get much of a say yeah yeah that's a it's kind of it, I've heard someone use the term like when it goes to publication it's not your book anymore is what they've said yes. it's kind of you part with it so no that's amazing so did they Dean Publishing are they are they local to Melbourne or they are in Australia? No, I think they, they deal with around the world. Oh, okay. they, they're, they're a Melbourne-based company or a Victorian-based company, but they deal with publishers from all around the globe from different – I think I was the first nonfiction, but they've taken on another, I think, another one or two. But, yeah, they deal with – all types of people from all around the world. And, and it's such a family-like environment. Director Suzanne, she's absolutely lovely and very supportive. And, and, I, and I always felt like, you know, all my concerns were heard. So I'm very lucky that I stumbled across th- this company because you, there's a lot of cowboys, in the, you know, as you know, in the industry and a lot of scams. And, yeah. and people have to be very, very careful with, especially if there's money involved, who yeah. to trust and who to not to trust. That's right. Yeah, it is. So this service, did they do like editing, cover design and did they- do some promotional oh, yes, work yes. as well so the 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 company um does a little bit of uh, like it shows you how to promote but not not full-on promotional because they are they, they you are self-published so you're expected to you know do your own thing um but they do they help me get all um through all online bookshops everywhere you know all the big names and it's it's there now so i can't complain and as i do business anyway so i sort of have the connections and know how to uh, market the book it's all networking yeah. you know everything unfortunately in life is networking to you know yeah yeah I agree especially especially in Australia I found so with going through that was there a lot of cost involved were you surprised or you you thought it was was quite a fair a fair amount for say independent publishing it's not something cheap it's something you have to budget for but it's doable if you if you budget for it and it took me a while because it needed to be budgeted for but if you budget for and if you really want something you'll get it done I think that I always tell people don't say I can't I can't I can't but find out how can you Everything has a solution in a way. And if you wanted something badly enough, you will put every five cents on top of each other to make it happen. That's it. And like you said, there's a lot of free things you can do these days um, for getting yourself out there. And so that's good. I'm glad <laughs> glad it's been well, the book's been well received and, and you've, you know, had the channels to market it. And yeah, it's all going so fabulously well. And I can't wait for the movie to come out. Do you think, are you going to be very involved in that? Are you going to have a, like a cameo yes. appearance as, as the author? Oh, well, I was thinking about actually yesterday one of the so basically it's going to be in Turkish then we're going to dub it in English or translate it in English cost wise you know unfortunately I would have loved to have it done in English but the cost goes into the millions then and it's you know just 
I'm no producer or, you know, they have the big producers. And then if they want to get involved again, you don't have a say. You're sort of put on the sidelines and they change a lot of it. Of course, the movie will not be identical or a replica of the olive tree but the essence of the book mm. will absolutely be the same. And, I've, and I'm hoping that people, some people don't like to read, but when they see it as a movie, it may, um, you know, touch their hearts a little bit. And I just hope that this book or movie, if it changes one person's perspective on life, then I think I every cent that I've spent on this is worth it. Yeah, that's it. And have you had, obviously, the feedback from the book? Have you had messages from people who have experienced the oh, same no. thing? So many, oh, so okay. many, like like hundreds of messages, literally, from people that have them themselves experienced war or their mig- children of migrants that they fled countries. You know, I think one lady said to me her father died in the war and, and, and that think that you know those images will never leave her um you know her, her brain and her heart and I had one older gentleman that was an ex-army veteran and he said to me you know um everything that you mentioned just brings back so many memories look poverty I think in Australia we're so lucky we've never really experienced poverty you know it doesn't matter how low class economically you are you are well way well off than people that are asylum seekers or struggling or in war-torn countries I think this generation okay. especially doesn't appreciate you know how lucky we are. I always tell my kids, you know, you are so lucky beyond belief. You know, you have a safe country, you've got housing, you've got a free medical system. You know, I've seen people overseas die on hospital doors because they wouldn't let them in. They have no money. Like things like that. It's it's very unfathomable to to us here, how immensely lucky we are. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose is that the, the messages in the book almost as well? Like you're you're showcasing yes. that and oh my yep. goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and just basically talking about us being, you know, loving each other, loving your neighbor, regardless of the differences. And we all come down to we're all humans. I think humans have lost their humanity. Yeah. We we have none of it left. You know, we're so quick to judge and, and hate and, and the yep. produce for yeah. no apparent reason. Why? Yeah, I agree. But it needs to be talked about. We can't yes. hide behind our finger and say, you know, all these problems don't exist exist in the world they do exist That's and, right. and, and the more we talk about it the more people you know start to open their eyes and see what's happening around them I think that's how change actually happens but yeah. we need to talk about it to ha- let that happen yeah and also for for uh, us being an Australian like you said we're lucky very very lucky to have so many good things and just because we're not personally ex- experiencing it in another country is it doesn't mean that's not affect us later down the line or we can't help or, or whatnot so yeah 100% Mm, that's it amazing so with obviously you turned down the traditional representation for the olive tree going forward for any of your works would you consider the traditional route or you're just loving having the control and and you know keeping keeping your stories about control if if i if ever down the track that as i write more books you know i find a morally and ethically available this is the problem (laughs) um you know publishing house it's it's not really to me it's not about how much money i can make out of these books but it's just keeping the story true mm-hmm. to you know because every writer has it's it's like the, it's like giving birth basically yeah. to a little baby this book when you've finished it yes you know all your tears and, and thoughts and everything are in it and then to get someone that's just you know read it for a couple of hours and just want to chop this off and take it off it's like it emotionally scars you yeah that's my little baby <laughs> No, I get it. I think that's why writing can be so difficult for people. And my first experience of putting work out into the world, I independently published a a junior fiction book in my first year of uni. And I just had so much self-doubt and so much, (gasps) 
because people were starting to read it and because it was it's an expression of yourself on the page you know and and then and it is for others to judge and make opinions of you and I think that that is quite a scary thing but you know if you could like you you're very brave and bold to push past all these things and you know just just go for it but I think obviously as well with your experience and gone through COVID and everything I can see why you're like oh that this is it I've had enough I'm going for my dreams why not you know you know Joanne one marketer gave me really good advice that I'd love to share with your listeners he said to me once your book is out it's no longer your book Mm. what people because I got one review that actually upset me and and you know I'm sure the person meant it's their opinion and they're entitled you can't you cannot put something out to the world and then be upset when someone thinks differently or doesn't like it or has another opinion and he said to me Marion when you put out a book out the people's opinion is theirs and it's no longer your book it's for everyone to interpret it differently. Yeah. And I think from that moment on, I, I gave myself some room and, and you know, wasn't as emotionally attached that, you know, I've put it out from my perspective and then you are free to think and, and, and everyone's, you know, life circumstances and what they've been through is different. So what I've lived through is different than what mm. you've lived through. So your perspective on mm. X, Y, Z will be completely different. And that's also valid. And I yeah. think you have to understand and validate that everyone's experience in life is very valid so they can interpret it the way they like without even me being upset yeah yeah that's it so what um what can we expect from Mariam in the future obviously like you said there's there's a film on the horizon for the olive tree and uh you know you've got another uh book in the works that's that's coming so yeah what what else what else (laughs) anything else Well, writing wise, you know, I don't know how long Souls of the Devil because it's going to be quite a big book. It's, it talks about so many families again. And every book I write, I base it in a different country. So I don't, um, so this one's based in Turkey in the 80s. It starts off there and, and it brings you to reality. And, it, and as I said, it talks not just about the general rules, but it's intertwined into a very fascinating story that I think that people haven't really seen. Uh, and because it's a lot of narcissistic family, I think we're starting to open, um, you know, little bits of the the camp of worms and I share it a little bit on Instagram here and there and so far the feedback has been overwhelming just with the little snippets that I put up I think people are over romance and sobby dramas and soapy I think people now especially after COVID everyone that I I took to everyone's perspective has changed yes you know I think what we took for granted before people don't anymore and and that makes me so happy that you know even the younger generation are are going back to reading and they want to see and, and hear what other people in different countries are going through that's right yeah I agree you know it's one thing that did unite the world was COVID I suppose and in its absolutely horrible way but yeah yes Mm. but sometimes you need something a big shock to get you up because Mm. when you go down so low there's no way only up and you have to start rebuilding yourself step by step because no one's going to rebuild you that's it how how is Melbourne now since since all the pandemic. Oh, well, we have, I think, I think yesterday, oh, as normal as can be, I think we still have a lot of cases. I'm hoping they never do another lockdown again. I don't think people emotionally and psychologically can handle another lockdown. We went through a lot, I think. I Mm. think out of all the states, we had it the worst, um, you know, in in the restrictions that we had. And the children, the children Mm. are really affected. They're behind in schools. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very sad to see, but I hope, you know, together, slowly, slowly, we can start building ourselves one step at a time that's and it. we'll get there yeah, yeah that's fantastic um you're you've also got a skincare range haven't you and I read from your bio yes. that 
you know, you had that COVID had a bit of an impact there, didn't it? But now is that all yes, back on track? I have, a, I have a skincare range and me and my sister co-founded a uh, organic mineral makeup range as well. But for the skincare, our COVID nearly bankrupted us. I started the skincare with $169 on my kitchen table. And as it was just about to work when COVID hit, people in Melbourne were fighting over toilet paper, my dear. No one was interested in a skincare, yeah. in a mask. They were already going to put it to go out. Yeah, I <laughs> we're locked up. So that <laughs> Well, that even added more as I sell salt to the wound that you know financially we were zero mentally we were zero five kids and a husband I think the husband's even worse than the kids we're stuck 24 <laughs> hours together <laughs> in the house yeah you oh. know it was just absolute nightmare the parks were closed you couldn't do anything so mm. so it was very very horrible but as I say in every bad thing there's a good light and yeah. and I discovered that uh, people were getting mask acne from yeah. wearing the mask so that was a point of sale for me and we just boomed yeah I've heard of that as absolutely horrific and as COVID was for many people and it devastated a lot of people other some other people seem to thrive from it and I guess you know it, it's a detriment to the to the human race that we can adapt so well I guess and then you know um some businesses were able some not so much but are you any works in the future for writing a book on that that would be quite a powerful story oh, I, I think as I get a little bit I need to get a little bit more older to to gain because I've just branched into public speaking now and and I've got an event next month in women empowerment and I think it's very very important that as women that people stop labeling us as only a mother or you can only yep. have a career and that's not true you can do whatever you want and whatever's best for you mm. and and I think that's my message now especially to the younger generation that even and even if you made the wrong choice when you're young even if you did have kids and you, you thought that wasn't a good idea later on that's okay we can unfortunately can't get rid of the kids no but you can still <laughs> that's a lifetime decision but yeah. you, can, you can go back to school you can study right. you know a lot of, I know a lot of people have come from you know families that were dysfunctional but that's, that doesn't mean that your life has to stay that way. Every single day you have a choice to change. That's right. But it's, on, it's up to you to change. And I, and I go back to us being lucky here. We're offered, you know, when, if you want to go back to uni, there's HEX. There's, they can defer the fees. So and I'm, I'm sorry to say in other countries, they don't have that privilege. They yeah. don't have that. So mm. we can, there's never, it's never too late to change. Yeah. So hopefully when I'm a bit older, I'd love to do some sort of a bio and all. And I had a, you know, pre-COVID, I had a boutique shop that closed down and I was scammed and so I've been through all all the circle of life as they say I've been through yeah. all the whole wheel yes well we look forward to all those stories and powerful speaking events from yourself in the future where can our listeners discover the olive tree and and your skincare range and also all you online and uh yeah in so store. It's, it's available if you just type up in any major online bookstores at the olive tree by Mariam El Hulli you'll find it it's also available on Amazon Australia, Amazon overseas. If you go on Instagram at mariam.alhuli, all my bio and everything that I do is there. Um, on my website, www.mariamalhuli.com. So, you know, you just type in my name, you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> around. Fantastic. Well, around. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your powerful message with us today, Mariam. And it's um, it's so inspirational. And I know it will give hope to many paving the way which and chasing your dreams for now, which is amazing. But thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. And it's an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thanks.
So there you have it, folks, the all-empowering words of Mariam El Huli. Her debut YA novel is a can't-put-down, ever-so-important work, so go and grab your copy now. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have one half of the fairy godmother team who will make all of your writing dreams come true author and Australian writing icon, Alison Tate, talking to us about how her and Valerie Coos, So You Want to Be a Writer, book on how to get started while you still have a day job. So that's it from me. Have an amazing writing, publishing and promoting week. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.